Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is no better show on your radio. This is Around the House with Eric G. Where's the hammer? From your back fence to the sidewalk, Eric will tell you how to keep it all in tip-top shape while helping you save a buck while doing it. If you like DIY projects, it takes a lot of practice to get good at it, and Eric is here to guide the way. Is it on the, uh, go up on the other floor. Somebody go up there and stop the hammering. All that and more on the fastest two hours of home improvement radio. These are the wrong plans. These are the old plans. Oh. Welcome to Stop It Stop Around it. the House with Eric G. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G. This is where we talk home and through everything. We are in the studios of TopCast PDX, and our friend Clyde Lewis, host of Ground Zero. Welcome to Around the House, brother. I am so glad I'm on Around the House. I, it's old home for me. Hey, there hey. I been. <laughs> no, I, I, I love doing the show because I remember the last time we did the show, didn't we talk about haunted houses and whether That's, or not yep. realtors should like give up the ghost, <laughs> so to speak, and say, yeah, somebody died in this house, and you're probably going to be haunted for the rest of your freaking life. <laughs> it was built on an Indian burial ground. You're going to get it anyway. That's the... <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. So. It's, it's funny, because that was one of those shows, I'm like, I wonder how the audience is going to take it. And how they take it. It was our best listened to show. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, so we're going to do this again. Okay. You know? Yeah, something. Um, yeah, in fact, uh, what was it? Uh, I did a show this year. I just one day woke up and said, I'm going to do a show about Lizzie Borden. Wow. And this year I did a show. I don't know why. I was just fascinated by Lizzie Borden. I was thinking, you know, I, I don't know what inspired me. I don't know what told me this. And then later on, I find out that they're going to sell Lizzie Borden's house. I heard and, this. And they're going to turn it into a bed and breakfast. Oh, yeah. man. And I'm thinking, whoa, can you imagine staying at the house where <laughs> Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her father 40 wax when she had seen what she had done? She gave her mother 41. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be, that'd be a Ooh, lot of fun. Ooh, yeah, that's that's like McMinimins and then some. And I heard they're also <laughs> more yeah, insane as I was. <laughs> hey, come to McMinimins. <laughs> <laughs> bring the axe uh, and the X. Uh, yeah, I, and I also hear they're going to be uh, doing, I think, tours of the Amityville house. Oh, wow. So, uh, because you know, who's going to buy that piece of whatever? Yeah, that thing's. Yeah, I mean, you know, go in there and shoot your family. Yeah. Um, but, the, the, yeah, the. the Mother. <laughs> Mother, blood. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, they. Uh, Oh, and then again, uh, there was another show that was on, um, as we're talking about houses. Yeah. Uh, Paramount is doing a thing where they did an investigation of Ed Gaines' uh, shack. Oh, wow. Where he did all the skinning of uh, you know, people. <laughs> so, I mean, people have this like odd fascination about the dwellings. Oh, the Cecil Hotel. There's another piece of property. Yeah, I've heard about that one. Lisa Lamb, but uh, the Lisa Lamb case is really creepy, where she like uh, ended up in the in the tank. Yep, and uh, people noticed the water started tasting funny because she was like <laughs> floating around in there. Uh, but uh, they they were doing that hashtag get a water filter. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag check the crawl space for Chinese girls. Um, the the. <laughs> How did this wind up being so sick? This is segment one, we, guys. We, we, yeah, we just you, started the show. We, we just got canceled. Eric G., I'm sorry. Uh, Wouldn't no. be the first time. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, so uh, no, the Cecil Hotel, that's another scary property because I guess they're planning on reopening it for people to come and stay at. Ooh. But when you go there, I interviewed this guy. Um, I've interviewed a lot of people who've been involved with the Cecil Hotel. Mm-hmm. And this one guy told me that when he was staying at the Cecil, he had this urge to jump out the window. Whew. And he said, it's just this. And a lot of people I've talked to with says, because it's a jumpers hotel. It's in Skid Row. Yeah. In a place you know, in California, Skid Row area. Yeah. And um, apparently when you go there, you feel like the walls are crashing in on you. Oh, wow. And you feel like that you're going to, you just want to die. You want to jump. And and that's the thing is that people who live there, I mean, first Lisa Lamb, mm-hmm. very sad, tragic story of Lisa Lamb, who uh, wound up in the tank uh, after, you know, this elevator. I don't know if you've seen on the YouTube. Yeah. Uh, the elevator that she's like doing this weird elevator thing. And then she goes up and she disappears. Nobody sees her again. But um, Richard Ramirez who was okay. the night stalker, yeah. used to go kill people, come home with Cecil, wash his hands and go to bed. He stayed at the Cecil. There's another guy that used to kill prostitutes. It was a German dude, got out of prison, killed prostitutes, came back to the Cecil, and the Black Dahlia, oh, yes. who stayed there and drank, she died in the field next to the Cecil. Wow. So the Cecil Hotel is like this horrible, horrible hotel. And I remember when I first heard about it, I wanted to go do an investigation there. Mm-hmm. It says, no way in hell is Ground Zero going to be there. Because they knew with the popularity I have with my show across the country, they would probably put a bad light on it. So they wanted to wait for the ghost hunters to show up. Oh, yeah. And so Zach Bagans got there <laughs> yep. and a few other people. And and now they've turned it into like a, a institution. They turned it into a business. And I have a feeling that they're going to have like teachers saying, I stayed at the Cecil. And, exactly. You know. Well, I've stayed at the house, um, the the um, the Soden house, where where they think that that actually murder occurred in the Black Dahlia murders down in the basement. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've, I had meetings there. I was at the Baldwin Design Council, <laughs> and we stayed at, we spent the whole day at that house, and it was a creepy-feeling place. Right, right. I, I mean, I have never really, I mean, I've, uh, I've never really uh, taken in a haunted house. I mean, there was, there was one house out uh, in Oregon, uh, out here, uh, towards the west, I can't remember. It was the Gardeners. Yeah, yeah the one gar- on like Forest Grove or yeah, something. Yeah, the Gardener House. Yeah, I was out of the Gardener House, uh, and that place is pretty haunted. It, we yeah. we saw some very strange things in the basement, and then of course the Forest Grove Lodge. I I was there uh, sleeping, and I actually felt my toe being tugged on. And we <laughs> and it was weird because we went there at the Forest Grove Lodge, and while we were there, we were doing um, kind of a seance type of thing. We mm-hmm. had a guy. Actually, it was weird. We had this Jewish guy who was doing like Jewish stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know, he was saying Jewish prayers and he was some Jewish mystic. And then we had somebody else there that was doing something else. We were doing EDP investigations and all kinds of other crazy stuff. And while we we're sitting there, there was this uh, bucket that was sitting near the, uh, the fireplace. Mm-hmm. Something had kicked the bucket into the fireplace. Wow. And it's like it made a loud thwack mm-hmm. and it went into the, it went into the, uh, Went into the uh, fireplace. I looked at everybody. I'm going, oh, my God. So Forest Grove's uh, Masonic Lodge, the hotel. Yeah, oh, yeah. Haunted. Yeah. Haunted, definitely. I I, I have never um, experienced something so bizarre. I mean, I've had other places I've gone to, like Fat City. Mm-hmm. That's haunted. But it was funny because Fat City had a history of uh, a waitress that worked there. And apparently there was this tryst going on between this customer and a waitress and somebody else. Okay. And, and this waitress kind of shunned him. And so he shot her in the back and she fell down the stairs. They were thinking that maybe her ghost was haunting uh, Fat City. All right. We go there. We're doing an investigation. We find out there's like this strange vortex at Fat wow. City. And, and come to find out that the ghost that we were talking to was not uh, this, this, this waitress. But Milo Method was her name, and she turned out to be Humphrey Bogart's wife. Wow. And apparently she died in a flop house that was above Fat City. She drank herself to death. And um, they used to call them the battling Bogarts because before he met the call, mm-hmm. he was like cheating on her, cheating on Milo. And, and Milo would like, Milo shot him, with, <laughs> shot him in the gut with wow. a gun. I mean, that's how horrible it got. So I knew nothing 
about this woman until we did a ghost hunt and found out that she was haunting this area of. Uh, then you go back and research it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, wild. I didn't believe any of this stuff. I thought it was just nonsense until I worked at this place, and it was in Tacoma, Washington. When I lived up there, it was a cabin shop that I worked at. Right. And you, you come onto a new job, and they go, "Okay, well, hey, uh, be careful around here. This place is going to creep you out." So everybody knows it. And I'm like, oh, you're just setting me up to mess with me. You know, it's just that, okay, I'm the new guy, right? Exactly. And I'm sitting there working one evening, probably my first week, and there is a door that goes down to the shop, and it's a three-story, old-town, hilltop kind of thing down there. Right. And this building was sold. It had tunnels down to the waterfront, you know, the old kind of Chinese tunnels where they would go down there. So that was Shanghai tunnels type thing, but in Tacoma. And... I was sitting there, and I heard this bam, bam, bam. I look out around the door of my office, and there's the the door that goes down to the shop from the cabinet showroom. Mm-hmm. It was a double swing door, so it would swing one way back and forth, kind of like you'd see in a restaurant or something like that. Right. And it was sitting there going bam, 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 about that pace, stop to stop, just 30 seconds of it just going bam, 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 no wind, no right. nothing. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's what they're talking about. And we had a lot of those different kind of things like that. that would stuff happen. like that, yeah, it's unexplainable. I mean, uh, I went to the Martinez Gazette, which was in Martinez, California, and I was mm-hmm. doing an investigation there. That's where uh, a guy by the name of Richard Gakowski mm-hmm. was the editor there. Come to find out that Richard Gakowski was a suspect in the Zodiac Killer case. Oh, wow. And so this guy, Gakowski, was actually haunting the Gazette, the Martinez Gazette. And while I, I actually did a remote show there, and I was on at the time um, – uh, I was on Sirius, and I was mm-hmm. on my national, of course, all my national gigs. I was with Premier Radio. And it was funny because we were doing a show, and this woman I was interviewing, we were right there at the Gazette, right there in the room where they're doing all the newspaper stuff. This woman I'm interviewing all of a sudden stops talking, and I have dead air. You know how dead air is? Yeah. Just hell. <laughs> so she just Half stops. Half a second is yeah. way too long. Yeah. So she stops talking, and I'm like going, excuse me, are you going to say against my question? She's sitting there staring at me in a trance. <laughs> Tears running down her eyes, just running out of her eyes. I'm thinking something horrible is going down, something yeah. bad. She gets up and just walks away. Wow. And I'm like, oh, wow, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden I felt something at my throat, closing in on my throat. <laughs> I felt like I was going to throw up, and it was horrible feeling, and I started crying on wow. the air. And I wasn't crying because I was worried that I was dying. I was crying because if I was going to die, I wasn't going to be able to say goodbye or anything. To exactly. It. My, then my my before my wife, my fiance, yeah. and uh, and it was just scary. And there I was on the air that night doing that. And it was funny because they pulled the plug on the show at Sirius when I was doing. I was going through this this scary moment. Yeah. I ran outside, took off my shoes, put my feet in the mud, and I just started throwing up. Oh wow! It was just the scariest. It was almost like I was being possessed. By this horrible uh, spirit, and I had never had that before. I mean, many times you go in and you're thinking, "Well, I've got, I've got the light of Christ, or I got something behind me that's going to protect me from all this stuff." For some reason, this is the most evil entity wow. I had ever come in contact with in the history of my investigations. And I was like, "What?" Uh, three to four weeks after cancer surgery, oh, doing, wow. doing a ghost hunt. Oh. And being attacked by <laughs> the Zodiac Killer, which, you know, and ever since then, I swear, I, I I look back and I say to myself, when was the last ghost hunt I ever did in a haunted house? It's been since the Zodiac incident that I haven't been out doing ghost hunts. Yeah, you're like, I'm done. That got too real. Well, I, I didn't really say that. I mean, I, th- yeah. I would love to go on a ghost hunt again, but, you know, I'm getting too old. My knees are giving out. And after three, you know. Three surgeries, you know, major surgeries for cancer. I don't think I'm in the ghost mood because the yeah. last time I went on an investigation, I went to Mari Island to investigate the UFO case out of Mari Island, and I fell on a piece of driftwood and twisted my ankle. And they had to carry me out of this area, and they they were going to call a helicopter because I was on the other side. You know, oh, Seattle man. is on the other side, and here I am at Vashon and, and Mari Island. So they had to call an ambulance, bring it across, uh, you know, bring it across on a ferry. Pick me up and take me out to a hospital in Tacoma in order to get my foot looked at. And that was the most embarrassing thing. And I thought, no, nah, I'm not going to do that again. Oh, I, and that's hours yeah. and hours for that whole trip to happen. Yeah, because I still think I'm a teenager. I think I can go and <laughs> you know, be like the rest of them. And no, I'm this big, hairy, burly guy going, okay, <laughs> let's do the ghost hunt, guys. I'm going to fall down and hurt myself. <laughs> and, you know, I just don't, I just don't, I just feel like I'm going to sit in the studio. Thank you very much. Let the young kids go out and get the ghosts. And I'll just, I'll just report it. 
There we go. I get that. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, we talked about it last time on the air, and this was, what, three years ago, Halloween, I think it was, in the studio we were doing live, and it's still one of those things that I still think about. You know, we have- What's that? You're going to talk about Janine? No, I'm going to talk- Well, I'm going to talk about this first, but we'll talk about that. This- I still think, how do we tell people that are buying homes- are have they what's the history of them being haunted were people dead there right nobody keeps track of that i mean i've got one person that i actually work with that's been on the show before right. and they're called Historyatic research and they go back in their east coast because they have lots much more history than we do here yeah on homes but they go back and do the whole story of a house they research if there was any deaths there that they could find yeah you know who important was there well, everybody dies in their houses sure and and, and and if we were to look at and see that's the thing is one of the things that bothers me when i watch these ghost hunting shows is you hear some old guy going well you know our, our hotel is haunted uh, somebody died here once <laughs> well no kidding <laughs> really yeah yeah if, if that's the case every damn hospital's haunted and every damn funeral home's haunted exactly it's trauma absolutely it's if a murder. house has tra- yeah murder suicide house torture. fires yeah, torture. house fires torture yeah. uh you know bad living conditions children being harmed these are traumatic experiences that certainly i think put an indelible mark on a home yeah and if that's the case then you need to uh i mean you need to know this one of the things i guess i can talk about on this show since we're talking about properties and homes yeah uh, Jeffrey Epstein's ranch was just bought in, in New Mexico <laughs> by a cult called Love and Bliss. Oh. And, and right now I'm looking into this group because apparently, I mean, their leader has got a rap sheet and whatever. So whoever these guys are, they're buying the Zorro Ranch oh. out in New Mexico for some strange, nefarious reason. And so it's like, you know, sometimes I guess it doesn't matter the reputation, you know, of, of a, of a that dwelling. the home. Yeah, yeah, you'll just buy it or you can turn it into a tourist attraction, you know. Something or like for that. them, they're just going to continue its use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, it's something to think about. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because yeah. those kind of places sometimes attract, it seems, the same kind of people yeah. to it. And I think that's somewhat unexplainable. Right. You know, you look at. You look at all the the serial killers and stuff that have shown up in the hotel down there in California. Yeah, Cecil. Uh-huh. It, it, wow, wow, what are the odds of that many people coming through that place? So you wonder, does it attract that automatically? What's the reasoning? Do you have so many times that you have more than one people? What are the odds of that, right? Sometimes that's where you have a house or a property that has a personality. Yeah. That is like a personality. I mean- that was one of the things that somebody had told me when I was doing an investigation in the Cecil Hotel was uh, they said, you cannot rule out, you know, you can talk about Ramirez, you can talk about Lisa Lamb, you can talk about um, any of the other characters that have passed through there, but you cannot rule out the biggest character of all, and that is the hotel itself. Right. And I didn't think about it, but, you know, a house sometimes can have a character, it can have quite often, yeah. yeah. It, it, it and and scientists now are looking into something called panpsychism, mm-hmm. and what panpsychism is is that the idea that things have consciousness mm-hmm. that includes your house, yeah. And so if your house is dirty or not cared for or you don't do anything to it, it its character also is sullied. Yep. And 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 you can tell. Uh, uh, how a house is taken care of or not taken care of, and you can tell the people inside, it does weigh heavy on mm-hmm. the people that live there. Yeah, uh, Depression, uh, people who hoard, mm-hmm. uh, everything. You look at the house they live in, and, and, and uh, you can pretty much tell what kind of people live in these places and, yeah. and because the house is part of that character. You think about it. Buying a house is a very emotional decision for most people. Yeah. It's not, oh, this one checks the boxes. It's not a black and white kind of thing. Many no. times it's, that's the house that felt good. Yes. Well, yeah, and so many times there's something unexplainable. I don't know what it is about this house, but I love this house. And that's right. what it is. It's the character of the house. And if you're yeah. going to have that positive experience, it's natural to think that you could have that negative experience as well. Well, I think it's because, too, we anthropomorphize everything. We we make everything human-like. I mean, mm-hmm. how many times have you given your car a name? Yeah. We want to sure. have connections to yeah. things. Or you say, oh, <laughs> thank you for starting. Or, oh, you know, your house has like a character and it's almost like a person. It's a human being. Yeah. And that is because uh, there may be some truth to the idea 
that there's consciousness in everything and that there's, uh, you know, houses speak to you or mm-hmm. uh, you speak to the house or you feel comfortable or you don't feel comfortable in a house yeah. because you think that something has happened here. And yes, you ask the realtor, can you tell me if anyone committed suicide or if something happened here that was traumatic? I think that they should tell you. I think there should I be. I think there should be something. If if the house has a trauma behind it, see that's the thing. They want to they want to unload it and flip it. Yeah. Uh, but how are they yeah. going to how are they going to reward and flip a house when the house that people get reflects on their character and they immediately become depressed and then we have another mass suicide or a mass shooting in a house? It it it, it seems to reflect on the people too. And then is it the property and not the house? Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean maybe the house is gone and somebody builds something new there, and it's still there. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's a uh, there's a theater bar that's not too far from where we're broadcasting that was haunted, mm-hmm. um, and we did an investigation there, and it was funny because we found out that they wanted to unload the bar, they wanted to get rid of it, and yeah. they, they were going to sell it to a bank. Uh, but what happened is just before we did our investigation into it, they, we found that it was haunted. It was an old theater. Mm-hmm. It was a mortuary. It was a number of things. They, it was back in the day when they were. It was a pioneer mortuary, actually. Oh wow. You know the old the bodies were taken in there and mm-hmm. everything, and they had a little crematorium downstairs. And uh, we figured that that's where the hauntings came from, was because theaters are always haunted, and so are mortuaries. You have all these ghosts and all these uh, different spirits there. It's a two for one special. Right. And after they unloaded the bar, well, they unloaded the bar and they were going to sell it, and then the plumbing went bad, so the whole place was covered with you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, just horrible. The plumbing was just horrible, and then a bank moved in. Uh huh. And the bank didn't last more than six months. And the reason why they said something was wrong with the property. And I can tell you now, you can drive by that property and no one is there. That property has been empty wow. since the bank was there. Wow. And I'm not going to mention it because I don't want to you know, get yeah. a lawsuit at you. Exactly. But it's true. You know, Sometimes you just can't unload a property because it has too much trauma in it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. And, you know, you think about it and you look back, especially in, in areas, you know, on the West Coast where we're at, we only have got, you know, 150 years of a lot of history here, Right, exactly. you know, in, in, in most areas. But you get on the East Coast and you've got three, four hundred years in places. That's pretty common. So, Well, there are a lot of I, I think that uh, one of the things, too, is that before, like you said, we have about 180, you know, not even uh, close to 200 years yeah. of, uh, of heritage here in the, in the state of Oregon. But there are places that were on the coast that, yeah. you know, of course, were during the Barbary times. They mm-hmm. call the Barbary Coast times where the barbarism where the pirates and, and a number of other people were murdered uh, at these old dwellings that were on the beach. Some yeah. of them were lighthouses. Some of them were something else. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that's one of the uh, inspirations for the movie The Fog was, oh, wow. uh, you know, it, it takes place in an Oregon town, an unnamed mm-hmm. Oregon town on the beach. And what it was is the founders had a celebration every year. And uh, the place was haunted because the founders actually allowed for a bunch of lepers to die on a boat. And so every one of those dwellings on that little port town were haunted with these uh, with these uh, the dead, the the dead lepers. And I just thought it was kind of a strange story that the whole town was haunted. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's a big story about that. That same kind of story, though, happened up in Vancouver, B.C., where they left them on a boat out in the middle of the Mm -hmm. of B.C. If you've ever visited Vancouver, there's a whole monument depth there where they came in on a boat and they went, nope, you're staying out there. And they all basically starved to death death out on the boat out in the out in the sound there. Yeah, that's that's horrible. But still, I mean, that's the whole point. You know, I think I'm trying to make is that it's trauma. Yeah. It doesn't matter if someone died there. It matters how they died, or it matters whether or not there was long-term trauma in the house. Or, again, you know, you need to find out if it was buried or if, if there was an Indian burial ground. I mean, poltergeist is probably the well-known story. Sure. We, we moved the graves or we moved the stones. Um, we didn't remove the bodies. We just removed the, we just moved the stone. And that's that's something that I think, too, you know, that's a very big lesson. And, you know, if you're going to buy a house, make sure you know what's there well you think about it i mean across the u.s we used to have mental asylums right mm-hmm. you know that was something that was place. all over yes. the whole place yeah. and when president reagan kind of killed that back in the day um now we've got all these old buildings that are sitting there yeah and it would make me personally really nervous if somebody came in and says i'm tearing this down i'm redeveloping this spot because many of these places have you know a hundred years ago, they just went out there and and had 
people digging holes. Mm -hmm. There might not have been gravestones there, but it's all unmarked graves. It's all that kind of stuff. Right. I wouldn't want to buy my suburbia house there. Um, there's a, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, the, there's a new, actually it's not that new, but it's been out for a while. It's called them. Mm -hmm. It's a TV show. I believe it's on, um, I think it's on prime video. Okay. And it's about the redlining, uh, home stories of Compton. Uh, oh, wow. they, they say it's about redlining about where they used to go, you know, the Jim Crow laws, mm -hmm. uh, in all these places they went, they invited black Americans to move to Compton mm -hmm. and it was mostly white. A, a white area and so yeah. they'd, they'd kind of like pepper the place with these uh, black Americans and it would cause trouble but in this TV show it was funny because the TV show is a horror TV show really terrifying show wow. because in that area the entire area uh, there was a um, I guess uh, in the old days there was uh, I, got, I guess a number of people from Oregon that came in and settled in this area and there were uh, two uh, black slaves that escaped and came out there and the story was the entire town caught fire and it was wow. because they were they were lynching uh, black people that would come in and so what was odd is that they would move into these homes these these black couples and families mm -hmm. and they'd be haunted because of the, the the nature of what happened there beforehand and so like the white people were in like this trance and the black people were being tormented by this this priest that wore a black hat, kind of like something out of Poltergeist. Yeah, and it's because of the fact that they built over Compton was built over this place where all of these black settlers were murdered. Oh wow! And and I and I thought about um, I thought about that Vanport. Thought about that oh, area yeah. Vanport. And I'm thinking, you know, I've been out there at night, and I that bet. place is haunted. And I'm thinking, is there anything out built out in that area in Vanport that may be haunted? I mean, what, Race, you, what is there? The raceway out the there? The raceway's out there, but I mean, there's also the Expo Center. Yeah. yeah I'm trying just to wondering if those areas are pretty much haunted because, uh, you know, it's just Vanport. I, I was there at the Vanport train station. I accidentally took a wrong train and wound up in the middle of nowhere. Dark, cold Vanport at night. <laughs> wow. All you hear are the frogs and the crickets near mm -hmm. the swamps. Uh huh. And you're standing there going, uh, ah, this is where <laughs> a lot of people died in a huge flood, guys. I don't want to be out here. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's about trauma when you're thinking about a location. That's its own indie movie out there. Yeah. You know, hanging out at Vanport. Stuck at a train time. station at Vanport. <laughs> middle of the night. <laughs> middle of the night. You know, one of the most interesting questions I had from three years ago that people were asking was, okay, and I had a lot of listener feedback that were great questions. Mm -hmm. And um, the interesting one was, okay, so I bought a house that's haunted. What do I do? And that to me is an, always an interesting, very open-ended question come because there's going to be a there's going to be a hundred different reasons you could come up with different things. Mine was well, you could market it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> tours. No, I know a guy that said that uh, he wanted to take out. I was, I'll buy your haunted house um, mm -hmm. because I don't know why he just thought it'd be kind of funny to do that. Um, well, my answer to people who say, "Well, I have a haunted house now," what say? Well, are you okay with that? First of all. Are, are you okay with the fact that you have a haunted house? Are you are the spirits that are in your home or the poltergeists that are in your home? Are they are they bothering you? Are they like pests? Yeah. If not, you live with it. Yeah. Um, do you want uh, you know? And one of the things that doesn't hurt, and I come from Utah, mm -hmm. which uh, there you had the Mormon influence. One of the things that was always done uh, with a house was that if you bought a house you would call in a bishop or a priest or someone from a religious group to come in and bless your home. Mm -hmm. Yep. And they would do, it was almost like an ordination of the house saying, we'll dedicate this home to you and blah, blah, blah. And then whatever trauma or anything that's happened before. So if you really want to have a guarantee, and I know maybe somebody out there is going to really say, well, okay, I need to have a guarantee. Bring someone in from your church, bring some clergyman in or a priest or a bishop, have them do a dedicatory prayer to your home because it is your sanctuary. Yeah. And if you and if you're a believer in God, if you're a believer in, you know, the spiritual realm and whether or not, you know, evil spirits could haunt your house, it wouldn't hurt to have a home dedicated to God. Or that it's a house where it's a house where you're gonna go and you're gonna rest and you're gonna find comfort and mm -hmm. and healing in a home. I have no problem with that idea. Good answer. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, otherwise you need to call in a priest and do the holy water and the whole thing, and yeah, but you don't want to do that. You don't want to do the aftermath thing. You want to do the pre thing. You want to be yeah. be, be prepared for that. 
proactive. And again, it goes back to if you have a home and you get a home and it and you know you just let it go, mm-hmm. where you're not doing the gutters, where you're not doing the crawl spaces, where mm-hmm. you're not you're not doing anything uh, to improve it, you damn gonna find out that if you don't do it, the demons show up. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, um, there are there are things uh, called duendes, which mm-hmm. is a, a Latino uh, kind of a, it's like a little demon, a little gnome mm-hmm. that comes into homes. I actually saw a video of one once, and it was really bizarre. It was hiding under the stairs and under the carpet, and this little, little uh, Mexican boy was chasing it around. And I saw the little thing, the little tiny thing. I mean, it was a mouse. No, it looked like a little human, little tiny human. Oh, weird. Duende means uh, those who live under the stairs. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they do is, is the old legend is, is that if you let your house get dusty, the duende show up. Wow. And, and that's kind of, uh, I guess, a rule of thumb for anybody that doesn't want a, a, a poltergeist or a, or a ghost or, or anything show up at a house. Let the house be neglected for a while. Let uh, you know mildew and mold build up. Let all that stuff happen, and you're damn going to have ghosts in your home. You're going to have demons, or you're going to have things that are going to make your life a living hell. And I mean, you know, you can, I mean, you can put superstition behind it if you want to, but it's just common sense. You know, don't let your home go to the point where, <laughs> you know, you're you're finding yourself, you know, in a situation where you're constantly having to deal with plumbing. I mean, plumbing, of course, but dealing with other things are going to make your life hell in a home. Oh yeah, yeah. One of the most interesting questions I got that was probably the strangest one, too, was this lady um, who was a listener back then. I can't even remember her name, but she had emailed in. And she said, um, basically, hey, my kids, I caught my teenage kids playing with their, you know, hot topic. And they probably didn't buy it there, but that's what she was saying. Ouija Ouija board board. in the bedroom. Should I be worried about that? Well, uh, Ouija boards are not toys. Yeah. And I always tell people that. But Ouija boards are also, they get a bad rap. Okay. And I say that meaning that, you know, I don't think kids should be playing with Ouija boards. In fact, I've always said that if I die and God gives me a duty, I would like Ouija board duty. <laughs> and say, God, can I go we- have Ouija board duty? You know, can I go and scare the little teenagers playing with the damn Ouija board? Exactly. <laughs> stand around and do crazy things to them. Make the little thing go back and forth, you yep. know, scare them. Sp- spell, uh, spell out go back to school yeah, put, me <laughs> <laughs> put me away put me away don't play with me uh yeah but the thing about ouija boards are is they they're they're tools for occultists mm-hmm. and you know but they peddle them as game as a parlor sure. game and a lot of it has to do with uh, what is called automotor responses which means okay. that when you have your hands on the on the ouija board the hands basically you're moving it but you're moving it because it's your body doing it. It's like it's it's kind of a a, condi- a conditioned response run by the subconscious mind. All right. So that's why kids should never touch a Ouija board. Yeah. Because they're asking questions like, "What am I going to die?" <laughs> and then they end yeah. up drowning in a pool, or they wind up in a tank at the Cecil Hotel. <laughs> um, but you know, they. they <laughs> I'm sorry. They <laughs> um, they they uh, you shouldn't play with it. Yeah. Okay. Kids shouldn't. I don't say I don't tell people don't do it. It's your choice. But you can get something called voluntary entrapment, where you're, you know, wanting to find out the future and you're wanting to do this all the time. And you're obsessed with it. Children should never play with the Ouija board. Um, and if they do play with the Ouija board, I wouldn't think that anything is going to happen, you know, unless they decide they want to conjure Beelzebub and he shows up <laughs> and he's there, you know, you know, wanting to charge. Hanging tickets. out on the, yeah, he's hanging out on the yeah. couch with the uh, yeah. with the remote. Then yeah. you got a bigger problem. He's hanging out on the couch with Bigfoot. And, uh, <laughs> You know, Jim Morrison. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I just, I, I look at Ouija boards as kind of like, you know, it just depends on what happens. I mean, if the kids come out with, you know, their their eyes rolling in the back of their head, and you know, they have floating a, up off yeah, the ground, yeah, off, yeah. <laughs> and they're hooked on demonics. You know, they're reading everything backwards. I would say yes. Isn't that a new program where you can learn to speak that way? Hooked on yeah. demonics. Hooked on demonics. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, ever since the kid got unhooked on the monocy, he floats. <laughs> yeah, look at his head twist around. That's For great. just nineteen ninety five and three easy payments. <laughs> three easy payments. Your kid can learn how to read backwards. <laughs> now there's just stuff- like the album. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's 
there's nothing wrong with kids being intrigued by the paranormal, no. but they're, I mean, no. do actual research yeah. or at least, you know, intrigue, you know, yeah. get your kid to do actual research. I mean, research. if they're cutting the throats of chickens in your house, I don't think that's going to be a great thing, but uh, I mean, you're on the road to serial, serial killer. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. Right. I mean, if they're so, pulling yeah. wings off flies, you know, be, be aware that they're cruel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was just, I think people like to, it wasn't, the Ouija board was nothing. It meant nothing mm-hmm. uh, until the the Exorcist. Sure. And when Captain Howdy showed up and Linda Blair urinated on the rug, that was the end of it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, most of the time, I I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, I was just looked at it as like uh, you don't want to open up doors to anything you don't want to no. open up to. No. If you want, I mean, if you want to make a phone call to Satan, Satan's going to answer. So yeah. don't make a phone call to Satan. Uh, but you know, don't overdo it either. I mean, if, if the kids play with a Ouija board and you start seeing things topple off the shelves, you start seeing stuff go nuts. In fact, most of the time, uh, if you're having poltergeist activity in your home, it's because of kids. Interesting. It's, it's uh, usually uh, teenage girls, ah. uh, because, uh, poltergeist activity happens because believe it or not, women are more, uh, telekinetic or psychokinetic mm-hmm. than men are. Uh, and that's kind of a weird thing. It's like, did you ever see the movie Carrie? Oh, yes. That's why Stephen King wrote it, was because he was reading a study on psychokinetics and uh, telekinetics with young girls, that there are times where, and, and it's rare, mm-hmm. but there are times when some girls have so much emotional uh, stuff inside them that it manifests uh, in poltergeist activity. Wow. And in fact, one of the things that uh, whenever we would come to a house, there are a lot of things you ask questions about when you come to a house and people say, um, we have a ghost situation, we have a poltergeist situation. And you ask questions like, okay, anybody in the house um, on uh, you know, uh, anti-convulsives, meaning do they take any yeah. drugs for epilepsy or do they take any drugs for this? And the reason why is because sometimes people can go into seizures and they can think they're having uh, this poltergeist stuff going on. Yeah. So you ask them if they do that. Another thing you ask is, do you have a do you have a teenage girl who's menstruating in the house? And they go, why would you ask that question? Well, because that, for some reason, attracts poltergeist activity. And it's usually around the time of the moon phases okay. when that happens. If you, if, you, if you record how poltergeist activity happens, it usually happens around the moon phases. And that's why they ask if you have a menstruating teenager, because teenagers have a lot of emotional backup that they don't know where to you know, do it. And so usually it happens around the time with girls, around the time the moon phase and moon phase are usually attributed to the fences what you know it's going to happen i know those are weird questions to ask but this is real fascinating this is real occult paranormal i mean most of the time when i see people on tv do their investigations i laugh at them because they don't know you know some of the real reasons why this stuff happens yeah and and so they ask stupid questions or you you have someone who's seen poltergeist and they go into these situations they go there's a spirit in this house. Go to the light. Go to the light. I was on a ghost hunt once. And it's a true story. I always tell this story because I think it's a great story. Um, I went on a ghost hunt with someone, and it was it was some poltergeist investigator that I didn't know who it was. Some, mm-hmm. you know, one of those people who are the light and laughter and light and rainbow type people who believe that if they show up, the ghost is going to flee into the light. And so they go, go to the light. Go to the light. I'm trying, <laughs> I'm, and they say, I'm trying to get the, the spirit to cross over. And so I was in the middle of a ghost hunt once. I heard a, a, a light and rainbow person say, go to the light. And I said, can I ask you a question? <laughs> says, what's that? I said, why did you say that? And she says, because I want them to go to the light. I want them to cross over. I says, why don't you go to the bathroom? <laughs> and she goes, what? I go, go to the bathroom. She goes, I don't want to go to the bathroom. I want you to go to the bathroom. <laughs> say it over and, and, over and I kept saying over and going, go to the bathroom. She goes, I'm not going to go to the bathroom. I says, then quit telling the ghost to go to the light. <laughs> right? I said, because you're not going to do us any, I mean, ghosts are here for a reason. Yeah. I mean, sure. If they felt that their life was finished and they're going to jump on the, the, the light train to the, to the you know, afterlife <laughs> concentration camp, then fine. They'll go do that. Yeah. But the, the problem is, is that people tend to think that these ghosts, they've lost their way. That's why they're here. And all of a sudden you have the wisdom to yeah. give it to them. And you have yeah. the wisdom to give them to them. Like all of a sudden they woke up one day and, Oh, this light and rainbow hippie just told me to go to the light. I think I'll do it. <laughs> oh, I see the light now. Yeah, yeah. I see the light. <laughs> um, but no, and I told her, I says, you don't do that. And the reason why you don't do that is because most ghosts, if they're here, they have something to say. They're tethered yeah. here. They're, they're here because they either have to tell you that somebody killed them or unfinished business mm-hmm. or you know record them or what have you. They're here for a reason. And so to tell them to go to the light is just insane. 
Yeah. And uh, and that's why, you know, when I say, I help spirits cross over, I go, really? Really? Yeah. Really? Sure you do. You know, it's like pray the gay away. It doesn't happen. You know, these these ghosts, you know, they- Yeah, that, they, that doesn't work yeah, either. Yeah, that is, you know, <laughs> it's like pray the ghost away. It doesn't happen. And I always tell people too, um, and this always ticks people off, um, Jesus is the bleach for most ghosts and demon appearances. If you- if you raise your hand in the name of Jesus and rebuke and rebuke and rebuke, chances are the ghost will go away or the demon will go away. They're like, party's over, we're out. Right. But now we live in times where demons are conjured in some, there's something called a djinn. I don't know if you ever heard of a djinn. The djinn I is like, a, they're genies. But the thing is, is djinn are conjured. Uh, they're Middle Eastern Mesopotamian demons that are conjured. And they are hard to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is not the bleach that gets rid of them. Because everyone says, well, you know, all the spirits know who Jesus is. Not the ones that are conjured by people. Mm -hmm. Those are homunculi. And, uh, you know, homunculi are actually to do the bidding of its master. And they answer to no one but their master. It's kind of like a golem. Have you ever heard of a yeah. golem? Golem was created by a, a Jewish rabbi to protect the children of Prague. Mm -hmm. And it only answered to the rabbi. And, and, and nothing could stop it because it protected the children from being killed. Well, if you create a homunculi, you know, and you do so, there are many horrible ways, which I won't go into on the air, where they create these things. Mm -hmm. um, very, I mean, it's like when they make a spirit cake or something like mm -hmm. that. This is stuff that's created by man. And these are, these are uh, conjured by the dark archetypes inside the human mind and inside the collective unconscious. And they do not answer to anything. They are the worst. And uh, chances are, if you've unleashed one, you're not going to be able to. I, I knew a guy who found a gin jar. Uh, gin jars are usually buried in uh, like the south, uh, mm -hmm. the, the Appalachians and the Smoky Mountains and all these areas. He found a gin jar. Uh, he was near a graveyard. He found two of them. One of them broke open and this black mist came out of it. That's never and, good. Yeah, not good. And <laughs> he, even, uh, he even sent me a, a video of the black mist uh, going around in his house. It was really creepy. And eventually he drank himself to death. Wow. Because this thing, he couldn't get it out of his life, and it kept bothering him, and he finally drank himself to death. So when you're messing with stuff like that, Ouija boards are kind of a parlor game compared to what you're going to be messing <laughs> with, it, like gins and other things. You know? well, fair in fact, enough. In fact, gins are so dangerous that they'll put you to death in the Middle East if you conjure one. Wow. Yeah. They will kill you. They will execute you. If you do it, because yeah. that's uh, Middle You've East. At least a play, yeah. basically. Yeah. Pretty much. They'll, they'll do If they find out that you made a gin, I mean, uh, there was actually a um, uh, Abedinejad. Um, he had two men that he had work with him. Mahmoud Abedinejad, Abedinejad, Um <laughs> Basically, uh, had two men that were working with him for creating gin, and they executed them. Wow. So, yeah, you don't mess with gin, because gin are like, you can't clean them up. You can't use cool Allah gin time again. or Muhammad or, or Jesus or anybody. So around the house with Eric G, cleaning gin out of your home. <laughs> I just not drink, the kind you're drinking. I just drink it. No. <laughs> I don't drink it. I just conjure it. Yeah, so gin That's or bad news. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I had a conversation with a buddy the other day, and we were talking about that. And I, I've been listening to Joe Rogan's podcast. We was talking about some of the guys with the uh, the alien stuff out there. And I oh. was I was sitting there talking to, to a buddy of mine, and I'm like, Wonder if there's any connection with uh, with the haunted houses and paranormal stuff, and what people see that are possibly alien stuff running on there. Are I, those two interweb? I have a comment about that. Okay. I figured you did. <laughs> I I am a paranormal guy who doesn't like my peas touching my potatoes. Mm -hmm. You know, when I eat, I don't mind. But I'm just saying yeah. that old expression. I don't like my peas touching my potatoes. I want to have my potatoes and my peas, and I don't mix them up. You yep. know. My dad used to do that with his vegetables. I said, nah, you don't do that. I don't do that with a paranormal either sometimes. I mean, I don't think Bigfoot is an alien pet. Okay. True. I don't think the Chupacabra has anything to do with aliens or Skinwalkers having anything to do with aliens or any of the other things. I keep my things separate. Now, okay. here's the thing about aliens. There are a lot of people that are of the opinion that aliens are demons or they're fallen angels. Mm -hmm. um, and it's because they, they go to a little place in Genesis 6 in the Bible where it talks about these gods coming from the heavens that basically raped the women and, and basically gave birth to what is called the Nephilim. Mm -hmm. And um, the Nephilim, of course, were, um, they were physical, having the seed of these, uh, these entities. Well, um, one of the things that I tell people 
is I say, if you read your Bible, there's a difference between aliens and spirits or spiritual beings like demons. Demons mm -hmm. are spiritual. They have yep. no physical bodies. Yep. I mean, so uh, Jesus did not cast aliens into pigs. Okay, he, he casted demons into pigs because mm -hmm. the pigs were the, the demons were begging for bodies, and Jesus said, "Okay, I'll cast you into pigs and then run you off a cliff like a bunch of lemmings, um, and have you drown." So I always give them that story. I say, uh, you know, now here's the thing, going back to the homunculi, mm -hmm. homunculus. If you take a spirit and you're conjuring it like a jinn or a homunculi, and mm -hmm. you put it into the body of something. Mm -hmm. then perhaps you have a demonic alien creature. Because if you know anything about the occult, uh, Aleister Crowley, who was known as the Beast, mm -hmm. created a character called Lamb. Okay. And if you look at this character, he's he's uh, got this big bald head, these eyes, and he's gray. And there was also another character named Iwas. Mm -hmm. And these guys were conjured out of the ether. Uh, and uh, there was, um, oh, there, there, there's so many uh, different uh, stories. A guy by the name of Jack Parsons. Okay. Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard of Scientology fame mm -hmm. went into the New Mexican desert and did a little conjuring called the Babylon Working. And what they did is they tried to bring the moon child that Crowley had created called Lamb into the world. And so what it was is they conjured a spirit to go into the body of of the moon child okay. and they and they did this ritual in order to do it with a woman named uh i think her name was like margaret i can't remember her last name but uh this is the kind of stuff where you're getting into putting the peas with the potatoes yep but when i think of aliens i think of them as biological creatures with bodies or synthetic creatures or True. synthetic ai where they aren't even human that they're uh, or they're not even uh human-like where they are uh, pretty much uh, synthetic robots that are being that look like these little gray things, um, and I've always said too. I said we anthropomorphize all the aliens, but the thing is, that's what we're expecting. We're expecting if there are aliens that come down, they look like us. They have two eyes, they have a mouth, they stand hands up, right feet. hands mm -hmm. and feet. But what if they look like lobsters? Do you think they were gonna, you know, <laughs> yeah. no? They, they come down and they say, "Where's the butter?" You know, and yeah. <laughs> immediately, you know, get the get the pot out. We're boiling our alien buddies. Yeah. And you look at octopus, you know, they, they're they're saying that they're probably evidence there are aliens because these things have jet propulsion systems in them mm -hmm. and they and they can communicate and and all this other stuff. So, um, like I said, if you want to put your peas with your potatoes and say that aliens are, are demons, I guess you can say that. But demons always to me have been spiritual creatures. So if, if, if good a, argument, if yeah. A, if, a, if a if a spirit decides to embody a, an alien, then yes, we have alien demons. But until then, a lot of people have used it as an excuse to say, "Well, this UFO thing is all a deception by Satan." And I just say, "Oh my God, where did you come up with that?" You know, Satan. Uh, it never says in the Bible that Satan hoards the uh, hoards the aliens. But then you get back to the idea of the spirits of the air, and, and like, well, the spirits of the air, not aliens of the yeah. air. So I, I have this argument only because I'm a stubborn, <laughs> I'm a stubborn paranormal investigator. That doesn't want my peas with my potatoes. Fair I, enough. I just don't want that. So. Well, I'll bring this back around to houses, even though we went Somehow. way out here. You know, it's funny. You UFOs know, over your house. Jackie Eric Gleason. G. Jackie Gleason. Okay, what about him? The story that he saw the alien beings, and he built the UFO houses in New York. Yeah. He built houses. He built took a an upstate New York. He took an area and had a shipbuilder build this big alien looking and it was fifty six fifty seven. Uh -huh. Built this cool house. It was a shipbuilder, so there's no square walls in this mm -hmm. thing. It is beautiful, but it's a mid century alien spaceship looking Inspired house. Looking, okay, you just, yeah. Gleason, you know what Gleason was so into UFOs. Why is that? Because there's a story that Nixon showed Gleason the aliens. Down at Homestead Air Force Base. Yeah. I've heard that. That he basically went through and he showed them and he said they looked like, you know, they had black, gray, leathery skin and they were in, mm -hmm. you know, refrigeration cabinets and whatever. And uh, I think uh, uh, somebody had said that uh, Gleason, to his deathbed, said that this really happened. The mm -hmm. story really happened that Gleason saw the aliens. Yeah. And ever since then, he'd been like uh, really blown away by it.
Yeah, and supposedly uh, his wife, even after his death, still went with that and said, yeah, I talked to him when he got home from that. He was just blown away that he'd actually gone and yeah, seen Yeah, he's seen that. a ghost. He was like white and pale. He's like, yeah. I just saw the aliens, honey. Yeah. To the moon, Alice. You know, <laughs> I saw the aliens. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. To the moon. To the moon. <laughs> Dogecoin, to the moon. <laughs> Sorry. Put a boop. That was good. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Sorry, it's dropped now in value. <laughs> Clyde Lewis said to the moon. It's a thousand dollars I just lost. <laughs> I just lost <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, don't buy your home with Bitcoin. It'll be the it'll be the most expensive house you'll ever buy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh yeah, uh, that story as always, you know, those are some of the stories that get overlooked uh, a lot, you know, when you you know, go through the alien UFO lore. Mm-hmm. Some of the people who have said you know, this has happened. And I don't know if your audience knows this. I'm sure many of them, I mean, if they listen to Ground Zero, they know this. But uh, in June, they're supposed to, by law, President Trump put into law, that they're mm-hmm. supposed to reveal the truth about these UFOs or the UAP, they call them. Yep. Because they, they want to handle the, uh, they want to be able to own the uh, narrative. But, uh, but then there's, uh, I guess, an investigative uh, task force that the president hired to do the investigation apart from this other group that's doing the investigation. All right. So we may not find out the truth. Yeah. Because, I mean, President Biden was asked about UFOs when he was meeting with, I think, the Korean uh, prime minister mm-hmm. or something. And he said Barack Obama had said that he's seen the videos and he believes that they're real. What do you say? He goes, well, ask him. And that's what he said. Yeah. Biden hates these UFO questions. Yeah. He doesn't want to he doesn't want to talk about it. He feels awkward about it, probably because he doesn't know. I remember Trump was asked asked at first. He acted like uh he knew everything and then he kind of backed off and said, Well, I don't believe it particularly, but I mean if our men and women in the Navy have seen these things and we need to investigate them. And then he signed into law that we should investigate them. Yeah. So hopefully that'll be honored. Because I know a lot of things with like fifteen different executive orders were like signed off and some of them were to rescind some of Donald Trump's policies. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping that the UFO thing isn't one of those things. Cause I'd like to know what they, but you know, it could be like everything. Every time the government is challenged from uh blue book to uh, now they've always come short. They don't tell you anything. And so it's like, and you know, deal. the U S government as well. They are not ones people in the U S government are not for sticking their necks out and documenting something. No. That maybe their boss is going to see that's going to make them think crazy. Well, yeah. no, but recently we have seen like people in the military that have come Some out. Some of those said, videos are freaking right, amazing. That say yeah. they come like right in front of them and, and then boom, disappear yeah. out of nowhere. And these are yeah. people in the military. So, like that TikTok. Yeah, yeah. TikToks. Yeah. yeah. I interviewed Ralph Blumenthal, uh, who was the editor of the New York Times that broke that story. And uh, he was amazed. And, yeah. and, and the thing is, is that every one of us, most of us have. A little bit of exposure to the whole ufo story the mythology mm-hmm. the legends all this stuff and when it finally made the new york times people started paying attention it made 60 minutes last week so and then of course everybody from the view to ellen to whomever tucker carlson all talking about it now and it's so funny to see these journalists try and make heads or tails of these stories and realizing that they know absolutely nothing about them no you know anything from area 53 yep what yeah, Area 53, 53, 51, you hit it. Because um, somebody was on The View, and I, I think it was, uh, God, what's her name? Hostin. I don't know her first name. Sonny mm-hmm. Hostin. Mm-hmm. Saying, oh, I'm so into this. I love the UFOs. Area 53. And, <laughs> and, and Roswell. And Megan McCain is like going, Area 51, one. Sonny. 51. <laughs> Some producers in her yeah. earpiece going, going, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're the producer going, 51, you moron! <laughs> Yeah, and uh, my dad used to go down there. Area Fifty One. Yes. Oh my God. He was. I've uh, never been there. I yeah. My dad used to go down there when I was a kid. He worked for Department of Energy. Oh. He was high, high up Department of Energy, high security, and a little CIA. He was like you know national defense stuff. You know, done the nuclear physicist type stuff. Right. Um, He had taken astronomy with Carl Sagan. In Arizona, so he was in that group. And uh, he was doing monthly trips to Las Vegas. And he'd always, when I was a kid in high school, he would always say, I'm going fishing at the lake. Now, he couldn't tell me what was going on. Right. But he'd always be flying into Las Vegas. Janet flights out to Area 51. You got it. Riding the bus. Yep. Getting on the short bus. He would take the Janet flight out there. 
So um, he would tell me where he'd park. And the first time I went to Vegas, I was in there and this was 30 years ago. I'm like, he's like, oh, drive in behind back here yeah. over by the hotels yeah. and go back in over there. There's a quiet little parking area back there. And Did then you you'll, know see, that, the, you'll um, see the flights. The Department of Energy used to be the Department of Nuclear Energy. Yep. Um, Ernie Moniz. It was an Atomic Energy Commission Atomic originally. Atomic Energy Commission, yep. yeah. Ernie Moniz, who was head of the Department of Energy, was on Chelsea Handler's show. Mm-hmm. And they were asking him questions about the Upside Down because of Stranger Things, the mm-hmm. TV show on Netflix. And they were saying, uh, she was asking questions, says, well, have you seen Stranger Things? And what do you think about the evil Department of Energy that's basically going to this place called the Upside Down, which is a different dimension? And he says, well, he says, first of all, I've never seen the show. Second of all, we are doing work in other dimensions. Wow. And he just, and everybody's like, it's flat out. Just you hear the crickets. <laughs> you know, everybody's like shocked. Yeah. And he says, yes, we are. We're basically doing work in other dimensions. He says, we are exploring other dimensions. And he didn't go into much detail, but he says, yes, that's what the Department of Energy is supposed to do. And that just right there. Bing. Well, you think about it, and I know we're way off the topic of homes here, but it's an interesting <laughs> thing. If you look at the oversight of. Like the CIA, there's all these people with classified yep. that are watching in that. Yep. Department of Energy doesn't have that. So if you're going to hide something, you're better off to go over and put it in the Department of Energy than you are in yeah, other they, departments. Yeah, because they can't investigate private companies who have all this information. It's like, you know, I always tell people, you want you want to know about the UFO secret? You want to know about that? Well, take a look at Martin Marietta. Take a look at Boeing. Take a look at mm-hmm. uh, all these companies that, the Skunk Works, all these companies that basically are in the Pacific Northwest. Where were the first UFOs sighted? Not in New Mexico. Nope. They were sighted over Washington State. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, Kenneth Arnold was flying his plane over Mount Rainier, and he saw these nine Chevron-type looking things flying towards Mount Mount uh, uh, Adams. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, figure that one out. And then Mari Island, the Mari Island affair, yep. where you know they see these UFOs over Mari Island and it's like drop, dropping when they say slag onto these boats. And it's like, so these were the first, uh, you look at the Trent UFO, McMinnville. Yeah. These were all unimpeachable stories about UFOs. And then bam, Roswell happens. And for some reason, Roswell gets all the credit. Roswell gets everything else. But see, this makes you wonder about when the technology was discovered and whether or not the technology, and there's always that 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 rumor mm-hmm. that the Nazis had the technology long before we did, and then after World War II, post World War II, when the Nazis came over in Project Paperclip, mm-hmm. that they gave that information to our people, and they basically filtered it in through the the airline companies. They filtered it in through uh, different companies that create these uh, supersonic weapons and mm-hmm. aircraft, and so this has been going on since post World War II. A lot of that has, I'll be honest, I think it has, because when I grew up in the Tri-Cities in eastern Washington, because yeah. my dad was working for, you know, out in the federal building there at the for the Department of Energy, we had a lot of kids in school um, where they were first generation, their parents came from eastern bloc countries. Sure. I mean, we're still dead in the middle of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Right. But they were all Eastern Bloc countries, German, whatever, and their parents all worked out at the right. Hanford Nuclear Reservation. And where was so. Werner, where was Werner von Braun uh, in the 1940s? But he was working White Sands. Mm-hmm. He was working in Georgia, Alabama, all these areas. But he was in White Sands uh, around the time of the Roswell crash. Yep. And so you have to ask yourself: Was that alien technology handed over to the Nazis? The Nazis had that information, and so they got their share. We got our share of Nazi scientists. The Russians got their share of Nazi scientists. By 1947, when yeah. Roswell happened, were they testing these these aircraft over wa- Washington and Oregon? Were they testing them in New Mexico? Mm-hmm. And did that thing that crashed there, was it alien technology, but it was crashed out there near Roswell because they were trying to get it to go into the stratosphere and it crashed. Yep. And that whatever is in there, whether they were still working with the little green men or the little gray men is anyone's guess, but maybe that's what was going on. We don't know. And that's why ever since the Roswell crash, we have lived in this time of the UFO alien type of thing where science fiction and comic books and space age yep. stuff has all been a part of our lives. And now here we are in the acclimation period, which is already confirmed in our minds and our hearts 
that maybe there is something out there and we're about to get the information from the government and hopefully whatever they're going to tell us is going to satisfy the public in thinking that something because we got the navy stuff and we got the video and we've got 60 minutes and we've got the new york times now we need the government otherwise we're gonna to have to wait for them to land on the white house lawn and i don't think it's be happening anytime soon no i've been watching uh we'll wrap this up with this one here there's i've been watching this uh new show on nbc called debris that's been interesting. oh yeah yeah I don't know if you've caught that. No, I haven't Dane. seen this. Oh, it is crazy. It is a it is a TV show. With it's the X Files with junk. Yeah, it's oh, space cool. junk coming in that <laughs> is falling from yeah falling yep. to Earth, and they're trying to get and it has all these just wild properties to it. Yeah, and each week is more junk landing in another area, and yeah. everything from people floating around. You know, everybody is in a trance and floating around to cars floating around and just crazy it's weird stuff people, affecting people this alien uh detritus is flying through the air and coming to earth and it's affecting people in the way it is but you know have you ever noticed now just how much of that stuff is coming true we're hearing about chinese rockets crashing and mm-hmm. spacex exploding over over washington multiple and, times and, yep. and, uh, and uh now starlink and uh, we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, those Musk all of a sudden turns around and, and gets gets a, a rocket to land on its own yeah. floating pad in the, in the ocean, ocean, and yeah. then uh, he's got Starlink coming up. Yeah, so we got all this stuff going on, and it's just an acclimation process. You got to yeah. have your science fiction acclimate the people for the for the big big reveal for the truth hit. But yeah. the truth that's really bizarre is that when I started Ground Zero um, 27, 25 years ago. I always thought that announcing that aliens existed or that UFOs were real would be a big deal. I have a feeling come June when they announce it, no one's going to care. Yep. They're just going to say, okay. All right. Now we know. Yeah, we know. We're well conditioned for that at this yeah, point. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody's going to be shocked. Maybe some people will be shocked. There's always. Yeah. In today's but, age, people being shocked over yeah. nothing. But I mean, I mean <laughs> we just got over COVID, right? And yeah. We're just getting out of that. And now the you know the next thing is that how about that UFO? I saw that cartoon the other day. Hey man, I'm taking off my mask. COVID is uh, you know COVID's about done. And then some guy goes, well look at that UFO up there. <laughs> uh, it's true. I mean the next phase is I believe that the next phase uh, two things we need to think about in the next year couple years will be cyber attacks and UFOs. Yeah. These are the they, these are coming back. Uh, well, cyber attacks are going to be huge. We've got to be prepared for that. But I think the UFO thing. Yep. Uh, I think uh, exotic weapons from different countries, whether it be mm-hmm. China or Russia, are going to be on our minds. Exotic weapons from space yep. and space warfare, SDI, Star That's Wars. That's the new stuff. Yeah, it's all coming back. Yeah, my dad worked on the original Star Wars stuff back oh, in okay. the day. All right. So he was part of that program before it got killed. Yeah, but, Star uh, Wars, super soldiers, transhumanism, mm-hmm. all those things are going to be our future. Yeah. yeah, crazy. Clyde Lewis, thanks for coming on today, oh, brother. Oh, gosh, it was a pleasure. I love we'll coming do this on. again. It's always fun. I hope so. Thank you very much for having me on. Real quick, uh, let our listeners know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at groundzeromedia.org. But what's very important is is that since uh, we have made the move to KPAM, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people are having a hard time finding us. So uh, we have a little what we call digital playground called aftermath.media. We mm-hmm. also have Aftermath.fm. It was kind of the aftermath of what happened when we made the big move. Uh, what it is is a subscription to a uh, online library. And there you find my shows that are available without commercial interruption. Mm-hmm. You find uh, library documents mm-hmm. of things that will prove your little conspiracy theories. If you want to have a, if you have a problem <laughs> convincing people, we have documents. Uh, some of them are unsealed by the CIA and others. We have them there. We have videos, uh, anything from B-movies to research videos we have study groups uh meaning that some of the famous conspiracy writers we have like library sections where you can read and some of their material and here's some of their material we got my shows we got other shows that we consider to be ground zero friendly on their podcasts we have our own uh digital uh our own uh, social media network it's kind of like a facebook forum and we have a chat room so we got all kinds of things available and it's about ten dollars a month to do it super affordable yeah it's really affordable ten dollars a month and we also have deals with yearly subscriptions where you can get it for less than ten dollars a month nice so i mean it, it helps the show uh if you subscribe it helps the show a lot we have tech support all the time 24 7 in fact we did it to save it because a lot of people who are like me who talk about controversial things get censored on the internet sure so we moved everything that we have to the north pole <laughs> <laughs> nice so, yeah our, our servers are sitting there on the north pole Kind Perfect. Of, you know, it's kind of like you move your seeds to the North Pole, you move your know, DNA to the North Pole. Ground Zero is now at the North Pole. So Perfect. hopefully 
no Russian's going to get us, but we're, we're, we're dealing with stuff. But it's pretty good. Awesome, man. Thanks again. You Thank you. Special thanks to Clyde Lewis for giving us the time for the interview today. And thanks for listening. Make sure you catch the podcast anywhere you catch podcasts because, well, that's where you can catch this show all week long. You know what time it is? I'm wrapping up. You got it. I'm Eric G. I'm Dane Potter. And you've been listening to Around the House. Around the House with Eric G is produced by, designed by Eric G in association with Salem Media and distributed nationally by the Sun Broadcast Group. All rights reserved. Copyright 2020 designed by Eric G. We will be back next week. If you missed part of the show, check out the podcast of all of our shows at aroundthehouseonline.com. Remember, measure with a micrometer, mark with caulk, and cut with an axe. Thanks for listening to Around the House. Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.